This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. I sit down to have conversations with people to discuss their lives, their careers, hear their stories, and find out what moves and drives them. My guest today is Eric Valley, a fourth-generation Newport Beach resident. Eric went to UCLA to play volleyball and along the way won two national championships. After college, a passion for photography grew. You can find Eric's work on Instagram at evalley or on his website, evalleyfineart.com. Another thing I want out of my photos is I want them, you know, for me to be feel good about something, I want it to be able to stand the test of time. Okay. I don't want to be able to, I don't want somebody to be able to look at an image and go, oh, that's so 90s or, oh, that's so early 2000s. I right. want it to be something that somebody of any age or in any decade can look at it and go, oh, that's beautiful, you know, or, oh, that brings back memories or something to that effect, okay. if that makes sense. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. We've had such guests as Emmy winners, college professors, and OC registered photographer Mark Reitmeyer. What was your process? You just meet her and pray? Oh, or yeah. You kind of, right. Right? Yeah, meet just, her and pray. Yeah. yeah. That was it. I mean, that's, yeah. That's what was my process. <laughs> Say hello, Mary. Yeah, and right. Just, oh, yeah, light meter. But yeah, it was setting up lights all the time. That You know, coming from a, being a documentary photographer to having to... Oh, just set up lights inside and out just to fill the shadows and just to get something on film. Go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's have a quick break for our sponsor before our conversation with Eric Valley. Eric, thanks for being here. My pleasure. This is going to be fun. Yes. So let's get into growing up in SoCal, right? You're a SoCal OC kid. I am. I uh, grew up in Newport Beach. Uh, you lucky devil. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a fourth generation Newport Beach resident. My great grandfather was very much involved in some of the early infrastructure building in Newport. Wow. And uh, my grandfather down by the water, like yes, CDM, Newport Beach, all that. He drove the first steam ferry back and forth across the bay before there was a bridge. Wow. Yeah. So how how long ago was that? Oh, geez. 19. Early 1900s. Yeah. Because you see those old photos on the wharf and stuff like that. Yes. And then uh, so where did where did he come from? uh, L.A. Okay. Well, my great grandfather actually originally came here on a ship from Ireland. Okay. And then, uh, but then planted in LA. My grandfather was from LA originally. They used to take the train down until they set up roots in Newport. What gave them the idea? Like, Newport's our love. It was just a growing area. You know, there was opportunity, and uh, my grandfather had a boat rental business down on the bay for a really long time. Wow. He also owned one of the first houses on Balboa Island. Is it still there? Uh, the property is still there. The house itself has been torn down. Okay. But my parents actually live on the property now. Wow. Okay. It, yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, long, long-standing roots in Newport. And, you know, it's, some, it's a place I've never really wanted to leave. And I've traveled the world and seen a lot of places and still like to call it home. Still, so. still Newport. No way you're leaving. Not really, no. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing that, that there's fourth generation roots. When you think of Newport, there's a very small select people, people that are from that time yeah, that stayed. There are a few families around town that kind of have similar roots to me. Uh, but yeah, not many. Wow. So then why did every why do you think everybody else stayed and nobody got the itch to like just take off and fall in love with Woodstock and, and leave for uh, It's hard to say for sure. I mean, for me and my family, we've always had a lot of interest in the water. You know, my grandfather's business was on the water. Right. And I think 
for a lot of the people that have been here as long as I have, or people that are beginning to set those kind of roots, they're in love with the water. You know, we live in a, the best climate in the world year round. And, you know, there's, there's not a lot of places like it. You know, right. you get a harbor, you got an ocean, you got a nice peninsula, a bunch of cool little islands. It, it's just, it's a unique place. Did your dad introduce you to the water or your grandfather uh, through the boat? Um, mostly my dad. Okay. My, my dad grew up surfing and working on the boats on the water uh as a little kid fishing was something i really loved to do so i i just gravitated toward it early on pretty much by myself but the fact that dad and grandpa were on the water all the time too didn't hurt right so it was a pretty easy i guess something easy for me to pick up sure was it was he a surfer or was he a dad was grandpa wasn't okay um that would be kind of cool grandpa was yeah (laughs) Uh, but grandpa was around back when uh duke kanamoku actually surfed in newport okay Uh, so he was around when that took place and remembered it grandpa's not with us anymore but he uh remembered those kinds of things and had stories to tell and so wow yeah that is an interesting like Backstory to like how Grandpa was able to hang out with those kind of cats. He didn't really hang out well, with them. Still but, see but him. Was, yes, exactly. I mean, that's at that time that's hanging out. If you could say you saw yeah. Duke hitting the water, sure. I mean, and even his uh, boat business. You know, Newport's John Wayne has always been connected to Newport. I know Absolutely. he's a bit of a controversial name at, least, ah, at this point, but um, you know, we even have an old receipt from John Wayne renting a boat. You really? Know? Yeah. Is no. it hanging up somewhere? It should be, but it's not. Oh, let's get that someday. thing up on the wall. Yeah, someday. Yeah, that's going to get laminated and put <laughs> up. That's a treasure. Yep. I mean, you don't, that, because there used to be a train that came down through Newport yes. into LA, and that was. Yeah, in fact, the tracks came right down you know, the peninsula, to the right? peninsula, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know why in God's green earth they ever tore that up, because that would just be yeah. a gold mine today. It would be pretty but interesting. That's how the Hollywood crowd came down. Yep. That's, I, that's the same train my grandpa used to come down on. Wow. Yeah. So, as a kid, what sports did you fall in love with? Uh, as a kid, I did everything. Um, I Was that just kind of the skating, the surfing, well, it, anything it, you could hear? You know, back then, we didn't focus on one sport. You know, it was like, this season we did this, and this season we did that, and this season we did this. And, and so, it just it ever changed. I played soccer. I played baseball. I played basketball. I played volleyball. I surfed. Um, Whatever you can do, anything. You know, I just—that's the best way to do it. I'm probably one of the most competitive people you'd ever meet. So, you know, anything. <laughs> if there was a game going on, I wanted to get in it. And, uh, you know, I never, I never played football because football was too demanding on my time, and I wanted to go to the beach. Okay, so that makes sense. Fortunately, those other sports still allowed me to surf and be around the water and that kind of thing. But football, especially in the summer, you know, a lot of my friends are doing double days and. I'm down at the beach, so right. I'll, I took that trade. <laughs> it's funny, say, by saying that you played everything ages us, because that immediately says that we're not 19, yeah. because it now is a one-sport trick pony. Yeah. and You only play baseball. Yeah. You only play tennis. You're like, that kid never gets to do anything else but just play golf? Like, that's it? We all played it all. Everything. Everything. And, and, and as a coach nowadays, too, I, I advocate for playing as much as you can. And, and I've spent a little time around the sports medicine world and seen that bodies wear out, body parts wear out. You know, when you're doing one thing over and over and over and over again, it just. It's also better for muscle building to use different muscles, yeah. whether it's tennis, volleyball, well, swimming. Sur- some muscles need a break right? and some muscles need developing. So anyway, as a kid, getting back to your original question, right. I just did it all because I had a love for sports and competition and a lot of my friends were doing it all. And 
So, you know, once I got to high school, I started to narrow down a little bit, played volleyball and basketball. Uh, Did those two kind of just become your love? Yeah, more or less. I mean, part of it was a timing thing, too, because often baseball and volleyball were overlaps, so I had to kind of pick one. Um, As I said, I never wanted to be a football player, and soccer I lost interest in. So, you know, it ended up being those two, and they were different seasons, so it was easy to do. And uh, club volleyball was not the thing that it was that it is today back then it was, was there even club? there was yeah okay um it, but it was more of a kind of a supplement to train for high school is what i thought okay. whereas nowadays high school is a sideshow to club sports right you know just about any sport so um i did them all and you know i had opportunities to play in college for both basketball and volleyball but i ended up choosing volleyball and now I don't play much anymore, but I do coach it. So right, but you were one hell of a volleyball player. Come on, let's say it. <laughs> I, I I looked it up and I did shoot you win one of your NCAA championships I, at UCLA. I had some success. Um, oh, you now know, kind, of, kind of as I described all the different sports that I did. I was one of my favorite terms. I was a jack of all and a master of none. So. You know, I, I was not an All-American in college or any of that, but um, was I, but that's okay. I, I did <laughs> I did achieve, you know, a certain level and won a couple of national championships, so that's obviously exciting and Yeah, that's a select know, group. Some of my best friends to this day are guys that I met and played with along the way and so it very special for sure. Now, did you always want to stay home? At UCLA or, or SC or Pepperdine, uh, or was there ever like a thought of you know going away? Being a volleyball player, you know, the West Coast is definitely Dominant, especially right. when I played. Um, schools like Penn State or IPFW, you know, they had programs, but that's been their recent success for them, right? More of a well, Penn State was pretty good back then. Okay, um, IPFW not so much, but you know, either way, I mean, I, I have a family legacy at UCLA too, so that was a big factor. Right, um, that always is just familiarity. Yeah, d- Dad was a, a team captain for John Wooden and won a couple championships of his own. My uncle, Eric Lindroth, was an all-world water polo player. He was an Olympian and all that kind of stuff, and he was a UCLA Bruin. So, And then knowing— So out- there's no way in hell you were going to SC. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think even it's funny, you know, knowing some of the coaches from back then now, you know, differently. I think a lot of them sort of gave up once they, they knew. figured yeah, out I the mean, heritage. It, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that he's going to UCLA. And Al Skates was the head coach back then, and it seemed like, you know, if That's you, right. if That's you right. had the chance to go to UCLA to play volleyball, it wasn't if you would win a championship, it was how many. Right. And how can you not? And, and it, it, was it going to be two in a row, three in a row? Right. right. Yeah. So, so how could you not be intrigued by that? You know, especially, as I said, being as competitive as I am. They also played in Poly, which was a big-time facility compared to, like, a Pepperdine or LMU. Yeah, we, we didn't play in Poly all the time. We played uh, in the Wooden Center from time to time. Oh, you that's know, which right. Is a little bit smaller. That's right. But I forget. But in some ways, for volleyball, that it's kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of neat because it's... Uh, you know, a little bit more intimate, small, you know, you get the roar of the crowd a little bit more. Poly's such a big building, and unless you got 30,000 people in there, you almost don't feel it. Sure. But uh, yeah, they used to drop the blue tarp down, right? Sometimes. Kind of divide it some occasionally. Yeah, just yeah. All kind of depending. If basketball's coming in the next day, the setup wouldn't be as extravagant. Or, right. But um, n- no doubt it's special. And, you know, some of the places we got to play as well, like going to Ohio State was really awesome because uh, it's old school, old buildings, really neat. You know, almost reminds you of Hoosiers, you know, right. that kind of thing. Um, 
playing in Hawaii is super special because Hawaii not having professional sports, the entire state gets behind UH athletics. And That's so they got sure, yeah, sure. you get 10,000 plus people in there screaming for a volleyball match. And right. so sometimes you start thinking, why didn't I come here? But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely a good experiences. Okay. So what years did you win your championships? 96 and 98 were the ones I was okay. a part of. All right. Do do you have any special moments during that time you're at playing? Like uh, you you came in uh, someone with a busted ankle and saved a game or anything <laughs> along the way? Like you know, one of my favorites is I played behind a guy named Stein Metzger, who if you know volleyball at all, Stein's one He's of the player. biggest names in the last what 25, 30 years. Um, Stein was hurt, I believe, possibly sick. I don't remember, and. Uh, I was going to get my chance to start because Stein wasn't there. And in warm-ups, I landed on a ball. No. And pretty much busted my ankle. And I remember thinking, there's no way I'm missing this opportunity. And I went to our trainer and didn't really tell anybody. I said, just put a couple rolls of tape on it and let's go. <laughs> and so I went out and played, you know, one of my favorite matches on basically one leg. And we ended up winning, which was awesome. And... I actually got offered a job overseas in Germany right after the match. And, really? <laughs> yeah, it was so ironic, you know, the fact that I could go out, land on a ball, pretty much shred my ankle. It took me two years to get back to full strength after Really? That. Yeah. Did you roll it? Left, right? Like, where did you, what did you, I, did you tear? I landed on the ball, and it rolled right. So outside? And I don't know. I never got an MRI, I don't think, but I'm pretty sure I shredded some ligaments. And, you know, it was the most painful thing oh, I, I could imagine. I bet it hurt worse the next day as the... Oh. Adrenaline wears off, and the you're just in the all of it, yeah. But, uh, but that was that's one of my favorite moments from my career, and you know, obviously winning and all that is super exciting. But sure. but personally, from a perseverance standpoint, to get in an opportunity and not wasting it and making the best of it, and, right? And it worked out. So. That's a good story to tell the kids too. It's fun, yeah. yeah. I mean, things happen, and you know, if you can kind of take the opportunity, mind over matter, and yeah. you go for it, right? So. Was something like that for you at your time at UCLA? Like, did you understand in the moment how how great of a, a moment it was? Were you cherishing it, or is it now when you look back at it, you go, "Oh, I had no idea how good it was." You know, I think now it's it's more now looking back, uh, and. I don't know. Maybe I'm lucky growing up the way I did or playing with the teams that I did or, you know, the abilities that God gave me. I spent a lot of time winning as a kid, whether it be in club or in high school, basketball, volleyball. It did. I just it was something I was accustomed to and expected. OK, so going to UCLA and getting the opportunity to win and actually doing it, you know, it's obviously it's special because you play for those kinds of moments as athletes, I think. Every athlete does. You know, you hope to get to that pinnacle of the sport and, sure. you know, have a shot. And But I always – it's just kind of what I always worked for and, always, and like I said, expected to, to at least be there. You know, what my role would be, you never know. I mean, in volleyball – You were a setter, correct? I was a setter. Okay. And even still pretty undersized. I mean, at only 6'2". Right. You know, playing in a court full of trees. It's, right. You it, were the teeniest guy on the court by yeah, far. Usually. Um, fortunately, I could jump a little bit, but you know, it's so it's it's in some ways, yes, we sort of took it for granted. I, I mean, at least I did, right? Um, and looking back on it now, it's I think more special at this point, right? But 
You it's know? hard to be in that moment at 19 and being it like, is. I mean, you just don't know any better. This is as good you as it's ever going to be. Yeah. And you don't know, you know, if you're, you don't really think in terms of this may never happen again. And I think that in a way that's kind of cool because we're in the moment, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, w- I wish in some ways I could go back and kind of look around at my teammates and revel in the moment a little bit, whether it be pregame or during a timeout or whatever and go, right. wow, this is it. But, you know, at least having the hindsight and being able to do it now is still really neat. And knowing that I did something special in a sport that I'm very involved in to this day. And sure. you know, I, I took a little break for a while after I got through playing at UCLA. I just wanted to get away from it and go do other things. But it had been your life 24 hours yeah, a day. And, but now I spend a lot of time coaching. I coach several different teams at several different levels. And so it's it's fun to be able to say, yeah, I did that. I was a part of that. And you know, have an understanding of what it takes to get there. And, you know, I never really thought of it as hard work because it was just something we love to do. Is there anything you would have told 18-year-old Eric going into UCLA, like four years, like after you graduate, like, hey, buddy, be aware of this, do this, time management, stop, take a look around, cherish the travel, every practice? Because those are things... You always it's just in four years. It's it's a it's so fast. It is fast, and you know I never want to second guess per se, because I think if I were to go back and say, hey, you know, do this, or you should have done that, it, it's like I mean I'm not going to get to do it over anyway. Right, right. So you know, but is, then it, is but, there some things I could have done differently? Sure. You know, it, I I could feel my life's goals, especially at UCLA, starting to shift, you know, knowing that I really had no interest in playing professional volleyball, either on the beach or overseas or so, you know, as much as I still loved my experience playing there, I could feel I was ready to start moving on, you know, looking toward career or doing something different, you know, and, and even going back in our conversation all along, all I ever wanted to do was surf. It's just something about me and the water and connection. And it was like, I'm almost done with volleyball and I'm ready to go do that. Right. You know, even one of those uh, kind of cliche post-college things, like I'm not going to do anything for a year and I'm just going to travel and I'm just going to serve or whatever. And me and my board and go. Yeah. And, uh, and in some ways I did that. I mean, fortunately, uh, as I said, I was, I'm kind of a jack of all and a master of none. So I went and dabbled in the professional surfing world for a little bit and traveled the world. and got to see some things and do some stuff with friends that I didn't get to spend a lot of time with for a lot of years because I was playing team sports. Right. You're locked to the court. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that was that desire was really starting to take over from my experience playing volleyball, just being in the gym all day, every day or in the weight room or in the training room or being injured. You know, that was starting to wear on me, too. I had a couple of surgeries and issues with injuries and it just was kind of taking some of the fun out of it. So it was time to move on. Now, how do you make that transition and say, I'm going to dabble in the pro surfing it, it, tour. it wasn't really I wouldn't even say it's a transition like something I thought about it's like okay I'm going on to my next thing and I just went just grab your boys and go grab them and go you know I, I were I was lucky enough to um, have a really good surf shop in Newport Beach by the name of Surfside Sports where I could you know work when I wasn't traveling and they were they, they're still to this day they're hugely supportive of me in many of the things I do and um it was perfect. You know, nice little retail job managing a surf shop and getting to travel and have some fun for a few years before then That's nice. before then really starting in on, you know, the career path. So Right. So where did you surf that you really enjoyed during those oh, times? 
Some of my favorites, Samoa, beautiful place. Really, yeah. Um, I would love to go back there. I've only been there once, but I would definitely go back. Um, Fiji, there's a place called Tavarua down in Fiji. It's kind of a private little surf resort. Probably my favorite place on the planet. Really? <laughs> if I could spend a month or two there a year, that would be a dream. But uh, Big left, big right, what's it? Uh, mostly lefts. A okay. uh, place called Cloudbreak is Clear there. glass water, I'm guessing. Well, I mean, just depending on the weather. Sure. You know, the wind will blow from time to time, but, uh, you know, and a, and a big right here and there. But it's just paradise. Oh. So. That sounds awful. Hard, not, hard, not to, hard to want to stay in the gym twenty four hours a day when there's places like that out there that right. you know are pulling me in. So I, I had to go experience that too. And you had you had a good time doing that. Oh, best. Oh, that's so nice. Damn it. Yeah. Oh, I never got to do that afterwards. But it sounds like it was a great. It's a great time. Well, and one of the things I even nowadays talking to some of the kids that I mentor and coach is get out and travel. You know, see the world. Newport, right. Newport Absolutely. Beach. Absolutely. Newport Beach is not the greatest example of reality per se mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of cultures a lot of things going on out there that we're unaware of that don't we don't see on a day-to-day basis right. you know there's definitely areas of the u.s that are struggling but nothing like what's going on and it gives you perspective it makes you appreciate things oh, it, absolutely you know, and, and you kind of learn i've learned to live a little more for the now and you know enjoy each moment and traveling has definitely helped me I'd say it's shaped me a lot in my perspective of myself, the world, things around me. So yeah. a very, very important part of my life, for sure. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast was, is I, to be honest, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't remember where I saw the image, but I saw a photo of yours hanging up somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was in a surf shop or in a restaurant, but I saw it, saw the name, took a picture of it, and then... Tried to Google, and I ended up finding on Instagram. And I was like, wow, this is great. This is good stuff. Somebody's actually doing something. And it's a local guy. It's not somebody, you know, in Fiji. Mm -hmm. So when did you start to become on the creative side? Um, Was it a high school thing, college thing? It's interesting. I think I started in a little bit. As a even a young guy, without realizing it, okay. Um, my dad used to own one of the biggest ski and snowboard shops in town called Newport Ski Company. Okay, and I was very interested in you know just the action sports apparel side of things, the fashion. Um, I got involved in being a buyer at a young age, you know, merchandising things like that, which. I guess I never really thought of it as creative. It was more of like retail business, but it is. It's yep. kind of a creative uh, streak that I had in me that unrealized. Um, and how old are you this time? Uh, I'm a teenager. I'm in okay. high school. You're a kid. Yeah. Real kid. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and through college, you know, not much. Once I got out of college uh, and I started pursuing the surfing stuff is, you know, being on the other end of the lens quite a bit, I started to develop tastes for certain shots or certain details, you know, colors, a lot of different things, you know, and, and it would get to a point where, oh, I hate that shot. You know, of course that's the one the magazine picks, right? you know, or somebody will say, oh, I saw that shot on such and such. That was awesome. It's like, really? I thought it was horrible, you know, and, and it was this funny little process. And then, uh, one time I was getting ready to go on a trip to Indonesia Okay, and, Forget how the conversation came up, but my wife said, well, wh- why don't you get a camera? You know, and I'm 
kind of thought, wow, you know, because I, I, as I said, I, I'm critical of all these things. It's like, okay, well, why don't you try and do it yourself then? Yeah, you do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> figure it out. You know, maybe if you if you don't like those, then see if you can do it the way you want to. And now, what year is this? This is late nineties, um, early two thousands. Probably early 2000, maybe, no, maybe not early, 2008-ish, maybe, 2010, okay. right in there. Okay, so. Because I've, I've been playing with the camera off and on, you know, without any real seriousness for maybe 10 years or so. Okay. Um, but, uh, so anyway, it was kind of one of those things to just get it and start. What'd you get? Do you remember? My first one was a seven, Canon 7D. Okay. And uh, it was kind of a middle-of-the-road Canon camera. Sure, and, it's a good intro camera you know, for and, going Indonesia. And having worked with a bunch of different photographers i asked a few quick questions hey where would you go what would you start with uh, you know i want to spend a little bit of money but not a lot of money and so that's where i ended up okay and i got uh, a 24 to 105 zoom lens and a 100 to 400 zoom lens okay and it was like that was my starter pack and uh when i first began it was so frustrating that i, <laughs> I almost just kept my receipts and sent it back you know trying to figure out what was the frustrating part? Just the just actual the image quality. Okay. You know, and, you know, having looked at all these magazine quality shots and even had some of those shots taken of me and saying, why am I not generating? What am I missing? So you had no training in photography None whatsoever. whatsoever. So you didn't know an F-stop I, from a shutter speed to an I, ISO. I, I would argue I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am self-taught, and, I, and I've, ha- I've been very lucky to have a few people throw me a few tips along the way, um, people that I've worked with in the past, and, uh, you know, very fortunate for that. But, you know, as you probably know, a lot of photographers out there in the world don't want to share any information because oh, they absolutely. spend a lot of years developing their own uh, techniques or whatever you want to call it. And Which is foolish. It really is. It is, and I kind of understand it. I mean, one of my mentors, his name's Mike Moyer. He's an ex not X, he's still a fantastic photographer, but he was very prominent in the, you know, 80s, 90s when the magazine world was very lucrative and going lucrative yeah. and thriving. And, you know, one of his favorite sayings was, you know, we used to be able to spend hundreds to make thousands. Now you spend thousands to maybe make hundreds. Yep. You know, and uh, it's it just... I don't know. It's interesting. So guys are very protective. Even and nowadays, you know, everybody who owns an iPhone thinks they're a photographer. So it's, it's a difficult field and a difficult thing to do. And I never once, when I first got that first kit, thinking I'm going to do this and make money. And I still don't really make any money, but I love doing it. And I'm a, a bit of a perfectionist in some ways. You know, I'm very critical of my own stuff and want certain looks and certain things and well, that's good to have that created though yeah like, it, it, i want my look right here this yeah. is eric's boom you know it, I would, and that's what i saw yeah I, I try you know and and as it's developed over the years you know obviously i've learned how to work a camera and figured some stuff out there well, how did that indonesia trip go oh it was a mess there wasn't a single <laughs> photo from the two-week trip that was worth saving <laughs> That's great. But, but that's that's being thrown into the deep end. Well, and, and, and like you said, doing it. You right. know, I just, I, I was. Shut up and go do shut it. Shut up and go do it. Right. You know, and so I was kind of like. Especially uh, if you're going to be the guy who's like, oh, that's not a very good picture. Oh, really? Here's yeah. the camera. See what you could do. Yeah. So I, I learned, you know, through two weeks of trial and error how not to take a photo. <laughs> And uh, so it, it progressed from there. And obviously, you when know, did you start to get a feel? I would say it took me a f- 
four or five years to like okay. really and, and also too though when i first got that camera i mean that thing would sit on the shelf for six months right without you touching it. every day i wasn't all in on it and uh nowadays i can't walk around without think oh i gotta bring my camera you know i, I gotta take my camera you know and right you're hooked i i look at pretty much everything I look at in the world now, I imagine how it looks through a viewfinder. You know, right. it's just one of those things. So yep. yes, I'm very much into it. And um, in, in a world of photographers where everybody's doing everything from studio to travel to real estate to, I just kind of decided I want to do my town best I can. Right. You know, and being from Newport, a lot of people come visit and there's a lot of people that live there. And I just wanted to do, move in and around my town and kind of take the best shots I can from where I live. Right. You know, so like if you look at my website, every photo on there, with the exception of like one or two, are from Newport Beach. And, you know, so that we get unique colors. We got a lot of cool. I, I'm somebody who has, without even realizing it, I like, so I have my primary subject. And then I always like having a secondary, something in the mm -hmm. background or yep. whatever. Especially Different layer. Yeah. Right? So especially if I'm uh, trying to show, like I just said, my town, there's little landmarks or little things that if you know what you're looking at, you go, oh, that's at such and such or that's at this place. Right. And um, just slowly but surely. So whether it be waves or kind of landmarkish type stuff or things like that and, and Somehow, some way, other people seem to like this too. Right. So, you know where it's at when yeah. you're looking at those photos. And like I said, it never, I never set out thinking, you know, this is going to be a business of mine. And it's still really, it, it's, I wouldn't say it is, but it's, it's a professional hobby. Right. You know, something that I can have fun at. And I'm a gear dork too. So, you know, anytime Canon comes out with something new, I, oh, I might need that. But, you know, as you know, camera gear is not exactly the cheapest thing no, on the planet. Not at all. And, uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys that particularly likes to rent either because I want, you know, it's mine. I want it to be mine. I want to care for it my way. And, you right. know, know it, especially if I put it away with certain settings, I want to be able to pull it out, you know, immediately the same go way. to it. Exactly. So, uh, now, I don't know. Why, why stay in Newport? Is just because that's home base? It's not so much stay. I mean, I, I still love to take my camera everywhere. It's just I put a lot of my time, like, as far as photo work in in Newport okay because it's just it's it's my home it's what I love it's what I know right um, it's photogenic and that helps and it is photogenic right you know it, there's even on I mean one of my I would say most liked shots by the public something I've sold prints of or whatever I took on one of the gloomiest ugliest days you most people would not even think to take a camera out you know but there's still ways you know if you have right a little bit of an imagination and a little bit of understanding finally after my Indonesia trip I started to figure <laughs> out how to make, what, what's that photo uh, it's a photo of the Dory fleet down by the Newport Pier okay um, I it's a black and white photo okay you know, and I took it on a gloomy overcast day you know handheld it you know and it just kind does of something that just happened does the pier disappear into the fog or what no, is the, it the pier is not in it it's just the dory so if you're familiar with the dory fleet it's mm -hmm. an old old uh fish market right and uh the the front it's of, still operational oh, right? yeah yeah i mean not like it used to be no, but, no, but no, it no. is but still, yes i think it's four days a week now or something like three days a week even barely that it, but they used to bring their boats in right on the beach which mm -hmm. they don't do anymore and uh but it's a historical landmark. It's a fixture of Newport, and anybody who knows Newport knows the Dory Fleet Fish Market. And I just thought, how cool would it be? You know, and I, I kind of like capturing those landmark-type 
places in black and white because it's just to me it's a little more timeless right and it goes uh, back to what would your grandfather's boating look like in 1905 exactly and without really knowing what's going on it's it, obviously through the digital age we can kind of tell you know this image is recent you know it's right not, but it still creates a kind of a timeless feel and you know people that live in newport is like, oh the dory fleet you know my family used to go down there or right. we used to go to the beach right there or you know i grew up surfing right there or something you know and it's just yeah or we visited in 1968 and exactly. we've got you know crab right there and so that sets a pre- sets a scene immediately to a time period of like yes yep I've been there. We were there at this time. The kids were this little. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. And then, you know, and as I was saying a minute ago, how I kind of developed a like for having, you know, layers, a secondary or even a third subject, you know, if you can kind of set it up right. Um, but another thing I want out of my photos is I want them, you know, for me to be feel good about something. I want it to be able to stand the test of time. Okay. I don't want to be able to... I don't want somebody to be able to look at an image and go, oh, that's so 90s or, oh, that's so early 2000s. I want it to be something that somebody of any age or in any decade can look at it and go, oh, that's beautiful. You know, or, oh, that brings back memories or something to that effect, if that makes sense. But why that and not why not timestamp it? I don't know. Just something you prefer? It's just kind of something that I've gone toward. I, I, I like I like the idea of something that is fairly timeless that can, you know, stand up, you know, over the test of time without having a a date or an era specifically set against it. Right. Because, you know, like a 1980s surfboard, if you looked at it, would definitely date it. You would know. Without even knowing when the guy shaped it. Yeah, you could pretty much tell. Or a 1968 bikini on somebody, you're going to know, boom. Exactly. Okay, that's definitely not 2020. And and, and as I said, you know, because now we're in the digital age, you you can definitely tell, oh, well, this is a much higher quality. Right. You know, and even then, quality is in the eye of the beholder, right? Mm -hmm. Because some people still really prefer, you know, the graininess of film or whatever it might be. But But that's two clicks of a mouse, and I can give you grainy now. Totally, yeah. I mean, even if you don't know what you're doing, you throw a filter on it. Right. Yeah, so... I don't know. I just, I want it to come out of the camera kind of the way my mind saw it and, you know, not have to put a lot of, I don't like to spend a lot of time editing, you know, okay. I, I, I really, you know, so you, you do a lot of your work to make sure when you click it, it is what you got. More or less. Yes. Okay. I mean, I shoot in raw format, you okay. know, so obviously a lot, most of the time raw needs a little color correction or whatever, but if I have to spend more than a few minutes editing it, to me, the image wasn't worth keeping. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and again, just all little things that I found over time. It's like, wow, I didn't really realize that I was doing that, but I really like doing that. You know, and and then, like I said, my taste for my photo, I want it to be timeless. I don't want to spend a lot of time editing because for me, the fun is the camera in hand. Sure. You know, whether I'm swimming in the water or setting up on the beach or chasing down something, you know, somewhere else around town. The joy is the camera. The joy is setting up the shot, getting the shot, you know, especially if I can capture it the way I imagined it in my mind going in. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting at the computer, not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> now, are, are you getting to the point where you'll say, oh, this will look better in March because of the light? 100%. And I got a bookmark it in my head, March, come back in March. Especially when you're dealing with the ocean. Right. You know, so because sunrise, sunset, ocean, sunrise, sunset. But what time of year? You know, because in the the summer, the sun goes down way more in the north than it does in the wintertime where it goes down right over Catalina. And when you're shooting waves, you know, if you want a certain light or a certain angle or whatever, you really only have 
a small, maybe even two-week period where it will be ideal. And then you got that hope, slot right yeah, there. And then you have to hope that you get the weather conditions you want. You get the swell conditions you want. You get a surfer. Yeah. I mean, even, <laughs> if the waves, there's yeah. even a few trees around town that it's like, okay, there's two days where the sun and those trees will line up. And if I'm not there or the sun's not right, I got to wait another year. So your major advantage is being that it's your home turf. Somewhat, yeah. I feel like, especially growing up in and around the water as a surfer and all that, and having paid so much attention to weather conditions throughout the years. I mean, even growing up in a family that owned a ski and snowboard shop, you're just, weather is your life. Right. And as a photographer, if you're trying to capture nature type things, seascape, ocean stuff, whatever, it helps to know the weather. It helps to know the sun paths. Right. It helps to know the tides. It helps to know the wind patterns. You know, it's just there's a lot of things that can work for you or against you if you don't really know what you're looking for. Right. I mean, you're you're the ideal person to DM if you're coming in from Iowa and they follow you on Instagram to be like, hey, Eric, where's a good shot? Because it's your home turf. Like if if you were to go to New Hampshire, you wouldn't know. When's the sun's better one day or another? But there's no way you don't know when that pier looks good with the sun going through the pylons when it's now in the in the winter. Then in the summer you don't see it. It's behind over in Manhattan Beach. Mm-hmm. So it makes it's an, it's a big advantage for you to be on your home turf. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know I, it. I would say so. You know, one one of. Uh, I would say that, you know, a great example of that, too, and a much more recognizable name than my own is uh, Clark Little. You know, yep. a lot of people know him, and, you know, he's got that beach in the North Shore of Hawaii that he has made a living right off that beach. Absolutely. You know, and it's knowing conditions, knowing lighting, knowing wind, and in a lot of cases, knowing it the day before. Mm-hmm. You know, you've to got get ready to get yourself. Be, yeah, because you want to prepare. You want to be there. And, you know, one of my favorite shots that I got had I not set everything up the night before to the point where I could just jump out of the car and go right as the light is coming over the mountain, I would have missed it, you know, and that's just preparation. And what was it? What were you thinking day it, prior? I, well, I knew there was waves. I okay. knew the wind was going to be blowing offshore, which creates really pristine, uh, well-groomed water. Yeah, and you get that nice spray. Yeah, you, so you get spray. Because there's a I, lot of people listening that are from Montana that are not knowing what the hell we're right. talking about. So, <laughs> so then I also know uh, our foothills right here in kind of just south of us. The sun comes up over that. And this time of year, the sun was going to be coming right through the Balboa Pier. And as it's cracking right above the hill, it's also underneath the platform of the pier. And the wave is coming in or waves are coming in. And I want to get that sun underneath the pilings. But, uh, with the wave in the foreground and the colors light up and the sunrise, you know, so it kind of, in my mind, appeals to a lot of different tastes, right? So mm-hmm. there's, there's your ocean lovers, there's your wave lovers, there's your surfers, your sunrise enthusiasts, right? Um, maybe somebody has got a fixation for peers. I mean, there's certainly and people a, who just love Newport, right? And then there's Newport, you know, and it's one of those, uh, Images that I mean, honestly, I can't say there's been another moment where I could even come close to duplicating that type of shot since I took it three or four years ago. Okay, because again, elements they all have to line up. And, right, and, and, that, your, and your window for that sun is what a couple minutes, if that. 
Right. You know, because after that, the sun gets high and the light completely Boom. changes. And the, it's not it's not so much that color is gone. It's just color changes. Mm -hmm. You know, so you don't you go from that sunrise, that golden hue to now it's more blue. And, you know, the, the light starting to come through the wave a lot more. So it just changes. Right. You, you know, and it's those unique moments and knowing when to get them, how to get them. And obviously, like you said, my hometown, I know now, I know how the weather works. I know how the waves work. I know where I want to be. And I'm. I'm there before it starts to happen and then hopefully catch it for that kind of setup. Did you, did you scout and say, okay, I want this? No, not really. You know, again, being my hometown, I can imagine a lot of things. Okay. And then, uh, when I see certain things start to pop on the weather map or whether it be swell or light or who knows, just kind of say, okay, today I'm going to go get that one. You know, and then I still have a lot of shots around town that I want to get, which kind of keeps the hunt fun. That's great. Yeah, it makes keeps it fun. But, uh, you know, and, and weather can always send you in a different direction, too, and open your eyes to something new. And I think that's part of what's fun about the type of photography I do is every time I go out is an adventure. No, but like you said, knowing my town definitely helps. We're going to take a quick break for a sponsor, and we'll be right back. Like you're saying you've got this hunt. Are you, like, with that shot, do you say, okay, we're taking this camera gear, we're taking this lens, and we're looking for it with a kind of a predetermined idea of, like, I need wave, pier, sun? Or were you kind of going, I'm going to get pier, sun. Ooh, I'll back up. I like the wave. Yeah. Like, how are you... Uh, envisioning because well, that's the creative process because you could have screwed it up by being half a mile to the left or the right you're 100 correct so especially when i'm swimming in the water and i've got my water housing you know everything's not everything but a lot of stuff is predetermined once you put it in that housing you can't change very much um i can change shutter speeds i can change aperture a little bit but it's not easy right so i put it in loaded with what i expect to use to get okay and most of the time i use a very wide angle 14 millimeter wide angle or i'll use a 15 millimeter fisheye okay so it's very wide angle very and, wide angle that's and, a big housing right but when you're inside of a breaking wave you it's know, tight if you've got something really honestly if you got a whole lot more than that you're not getting everything that's going on around you mm -hmm. um if you're trying to shoot a certain wave from a distance well then obviously you know a, a 70 to 200 or something like that becomes a little more relevant. Uh, a lot of guys like to shoot with a 35 millimeter or even a 50, and then you get a little bit further back from it. But I like being right underneath it, in it. And do you so, like that perspective, being in the I, barrel? I do. I okay. do. And, and like I said, with my desire for secondary subjects, I like to be able to see out of the barrel. And there's the pier or there's a lifeguard tower or something along those, you right. know, along those lines, which kind of stamps that, hey, that's Newport Beach, you know, and that way, if somebody wanted something specific of Newport Beach, it's 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 available. I, I offer that. I mean, I do have my wave photos. Don't get me wrong, because sure. I love doing that, too, where you can't tell where it came from. But um, so, yeah, like that one particular, I knew I wanted to be so far away from the pier Um so in order to not make the pier the prominent part of the photo, but just enough to where it affects the image. And, you know, and as you know, a lot of, some of that comes from trial and error. You know, my first many, right. many times out, it's like, well, I, I didn't realize that this is what I was going to get for a finished product. So you start figuring, okay, well, I did that last time. 
and it didn't really work out. So this time I want to be a little bit more over here or maybe swim up closer over there or, you know, so much Let, of it. Yeah. Now let's talk about your housing. When did you decide to take the camera into the water? Um, I think my I got my first housing about four or five years ago. Because um, that's that's the next level. Getting into the water with the camera it's, and, is next level. And it's very nerve-wracking when you don't have a giant slush fund backing you up, you know, because one little leak and there goes that camera. Right. You know, and uh, but I just, again, being a water guy, figured this is my next step in the progression. Um, I just, I wanted to learn a new facet of photography. Okay. And uh, Did you talk to some people yes. and say? So a friend of mine, Tom. Because you can get a bag of crap. That's oh, the thing. There's- 100%. So a friend of mine, Tom Carey, he spent a lot of years working with the top surf magazines, a lot of the top surf guys traveling the world. And he, he was, in my mind, somebody I really recognized for his work in the water. And it just so happens he lives close by, and I knew his brother really well. So I reached out, and we chatted, and he taught me a lot about my first steps into the water housing world. Okay. And uh, he turned me on to a phenomenal brand, uh, CMT Water Housings. They're all carbon fiber, lightweight, um, very user-friendly. and Reasonable priced? I would say so. I mean, for what okay. you're getting, I mean, they're they're handmade, carbon fiber, custom molded. You know, it, yeah. I don't know how you could get something much better, especially okay. for weight. You know, you know, when you're working with top of the line Canon cameras, they're not light. No, and the lenses aren't light. No, nope. and so you're swimming out there. You don't want it pulling you to the bottom. You want to be able to handle it and maneuver it and right you don't need to be swimming with a weight in your hand correct so that was important to me as i was getting involved with that and uh so it's again like i was talking about a minute ago it's trial and error but as we said earlier just do it right i just wanted to go do it you know how was that first time out with it first time out i actually you know kind of like blind squirrel in the forest i did find a few nuts but uh good boy <laughs> yeah but i really had little understanding of what i was doing so after doing it a few times it's you know you start figuring out because like i said you have to preset a lot of your settings yep. from, from your focal points to your shutter speeds to your apertures your iso you know can you see the back on that can you see you, what you take yeah so okay i, I have like i said i do have some controls it's just not the easiest to adjust and do on the fly when you're in the water yes so i try to set it to where i think i want it to be to capture the wave the way i want it to cap- want to capture it you know and obviously you're working with moving subjects too so you know for the, mo- the water the sun water the subject sun, yeah <laughs> so for the most part i like to get my shots when i'm swimming to be you know, pretty sharp. So I like to go with a faster shutter speed. You can go slower and you get a little bit of that motion blur and things like that, which is a whole nother kind of subset of the same art. Right. Um, but and then flashing guys use flash guys too. Go, I haven't gone into that realm right. just yet, but it's intriguing. But to do that is another, you know, cost and right. things like that. So, you know, in due time, the, the, <laughs> Baby one, steps. the one thing I love about this is it's something that I'm not just doing for a season. You know, I can do this the rest of my life. So, right. And so I'll, I'll add the flash at some point and <laughs> we'll see. But for now, you know, what I have is working pretty good. That's great. Uh, so, okay. So the first one you got four or five years ago. 
the housing, housing, housing. Yes. Have you evolved and gotten a different one? Or? Yes. I'm all, right now. I'm working with my second, and my third is being made as we speak. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So what, now, what gear are we using now? We started with the seven D. Seven. Yeah. So where are we at a, now? Right now, I'm using. Uh, Let's go down the gear hole here. Okay. Let's geek it out. Let's. So I started with the seven D, and then I bought one uh, D Mark IV. Okay. And enjoyed that for a while. And then the 5D Mark III came out, and I went and down that path and sold the other ones. And then uh, the hard part with swimming in the water using a 5D Mark III is the burst rate is fairly slow in comparison to right. you know the 1D line of products. So I felt... You know, because when you're swimming, you want to be able to get, you know, four or five frames, right, six as many frames. As you yeah, can. as many as you can, because as the wave comes over, each little split second is pretty unique in, in and of itself. So Absolutely. I, uh, yeah, so for something that goes clunk, yeah. clunk, so clunk, I really like, started, oh, God. I really started thirsting for something a little bit speedier. And uh, after selling a few prints, put that money toward a 1DX Mark III. It's a big jump from a 7D. Yes, it is. Yeah, now you're in the big boy world, a big heavy uh, camera. And taking that in the water, I'm sure I'm going to have a small anxiety attack, <laughs> you know, before that first <laughs> swim. But uh, have to double check my list to make sure everything's all sealed yes. up. And so check those rings, tighten them up. Yeah. So the guys over at CMT are making my housing for that right now, and should hopefully be ready in the next week or so. I'm excited. Is that something you'll put a 14 on or. Probably 14 is kind of my go-to when I swim. Okay. Um, and that's the corrected one, right? So there's not yes. a lot of distortion? Yeah, very little distortion. Yeah. Because um, you don't want a wave too distorted. Well, sometimes the fish eye is pretty fun. Um, but I found myself wanting to correct that distortion a fair bit, which is why I got the 14. So I had the fish eye first. Right. That, that was my first, you know, wide angle experience. And, and then, you know, again, once you start doing a few things a certain amount of times, you start wanting to look at it through different ways and the 14 is something i actually use a lot okay and i even i'll even use the 14 on land from time to time just depending on what i'm trying to capture sure so that for it's me it's a sharp tack beautiful lens yes and that so speaking of equipment that's another thing i've found myself really zeroing in on is prime lenses versus zoom lenses and you know i have a couple zooms but i don't use them a whole lot uh, especially in the water. I'm always, oh, yeah. Going, yeah. So, uh, my 50, my 14, uh, I, some, like I said, sometimes use the fish eye still, but, and 35 is on my hit list once <laughs> I got to make some more money first. <laughs> Christmas is coming yeah, up. Hopefully you can I, put I just tell everybody, get me gift cards for, you know, B and H or something like that. <laughs> That's it, man. It's an addiction. Yep. So when you're in the water, are are you ever thinking like I need a surfer? That would be good, or is it purely like water landmark sun? What's your yeah? What's your go to like I need first? Are you look at light, subject, background? Where's your yeah? I would say I would say you probably just nailed it. First is light because with especially in the water without good light you can't really do much. Um, even if the waves are small, I have figured out a few ways to still make it fun and worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, and then background, you know, as long as the light is there and the subject is decent, I can f- figure out what I want for a background or find there's enough places around Newport where I can get some good quality work done and feel like I accomplished something. Okay. 
As far as shooting a surfer, ironically, I probably should have talked about this even a little bit earlier. I first, when I first bought that kit before my trip to Indonesia, it was because I wanted to shoot surfing. Being a surfer, being a guy who sure. was shot surfing a lot, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's funny, as years pass, I think shooting surfing, you know, an actual surfer is one of my least favorite things to do. <laughs> and super fun. I mean, because even today, I, I went and surfed. You know, it's not that I've fallen out of love of surfing. I just don't, I don't know. I think it goes against a little bit of what I was saying earlier in that I want as best I can for my image to be fairly timeless. And when you put a face and a surfer and a board and a wetsuit right. you know, of a certain color, immediately it's, oh, that was 2020. Right. And that board, that cut, that fin, that suit, it all just timestamps it. And not, and not to try and get too commercial. Cause like I said, I never set out to do this for money. Um, it's pretty hard to sell a shot or a print or something like that to somebody with a surfer. That's not them right in the image. Yeah. And unless it's this gorgeous silhouette with spray. And so and I was going to say, you know, like some of those special days when the wind blows offshore and the sun is setting in the background and the surfer is fully backlit to the point where you can't see logos. You can't see wetsuit colors. You can't see any of that. That gets more back into that realm of timelessness that I like to try to achieve. So, you know, there's occasions where my brother-in-law is a phenomenal surfer. And on occasion, if that day arises, I'll call him and say, hey, can you surf for 30 minutes before the sun goes down? <laughs> because once again, that, that amount of time where the sun is right to be able to capture that backlit moment, it, it's 30 minutes sometimes might even be long. Right. And uh, It's quick. If yeah. People don't understand. The sun moves all day long, but in the moments when you want it in a certain spot, yeah. it's flying. Yeah. And uh, in fact, one of my favorite photo stories, I was not the photographer on this one, but one of my mentors, his name was Dick McCoy, who has since passed. Um, and, but he, he was somebody who took a lot of images of me as a surfer. And we did the exact same thing. You know, he, he saw the sun, the light. We knew there was a little bit of waves. He said, hey, let's head down to the beach. We got... 30 minutes we took i think he took six images six in a matter of 30 minutes before the sun went down is this film or digital days this is film days okay and uh of those six images he took of me one was a two-page spread in a magazine another one was in a calendar wow yeah and so you know it doesn't always take a lot it's just being at the right place the right time having the right understanding and he was a lot like me being from newport he knew when and where we needed to be Put you in that spot. Went, went and did it, and, you know, special. So That's great. You know, you don't need a whole day to capture something good as long as you know what to do, when to do it, where to go, et cetera. So. Right. Have you found yourself to become kind of a little bit of a, a weather hound where you're keeping track of the weather? Winds blowing, clouds, I, swells? I, I definitely watch it day to day. Um, you know, I don't necessarily record it. Right. Which but, some people do. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I have surf, surf friends that keep calendars of, you know, I was even reading something from a guy, a local guy, not long ago. I think he had over 35 years or something of documented surf, weather, readings, all that for each day. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, growing up in a, in a water family, somebody was very involved in skiing and snowboarding. And, you know, we just grew up watching the weather. I mean, that's something for us. Sure. Me as a kid, dad always wanted to watch the weather on the news, you know, because is it going to snow this week? Is business going to be good? That's true. Yeah. Um, also, if there's a storm coming in, that means waves are probably coming, you know, so we watched it for numerous reasons. So I 
I'm definitely in tune, I, and I feel and through sports, <laughs> all yeah. my injuries, when the when the storm starts to roll in, my body starts to swell, and, you know, the arthritis <laughs> kicks in. So <laughs> I'm very in tune with the weather. Whether you like it or not, your body's telling you. I, I understand why old Take people. Take some ibuprofen. <laughs> I understand why old people like to move to the desert now. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> you thought it was funny, and aunts and aunts were leaving everybody. You're like, I got it. I totally yep. understand. So so. Are, when you're when you're out surfing now, do you ever sit there and go like can you like you went this morning? Mm-hmm. Can you enjoy it and not think, oh, if I had my camera, that'd be pretty sweet right no, now. Sometimes it's absolutely brutal. Sometimes I'm in the water on my surfboard going, what are you doing? You're missing some Idiot, amazing. Get rid of the board yeah. and grab the house. Why didn't you bring your camera? And, and you know, and it's hard too. You don't want to leave a 1DX Mark III in your car. No, no. <laughs> so, Just so everybody listening, he doesn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. It's in a lockbox. You know, so yeah. I, I sometimes... No, and that, you're right, absolutely. I sometimes have to make that choice. Like, I'm going to go surf this morning or I'm going to go shoot this morning. But it's, it's pretty hard to go do both because, like I said, I don't want to leave... And losing the surfboard's cheap. Yeah, I can. Aff- to the- I can live with that much more than I could live with, you know, having my cameras taken. The so. housing alone. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, there, there's moments. You know, there's definitely moments. But sometimes, you know, the need to ride a few waves myself out, outweighs the need to get some photos. So, <laughs> is there is there weather now, or as you know, we're into fall, moving into winter, is there something you're looking for? Fall is my favorite time of year, hands down. Why um, is that? We, well, just for example, right now, as we've had 80 plus degree weather with very little wind, uh, dry heat, and the without the wind, we've had some swell, but without the wind and a bunch of different elements stirring the ocean up, the ocean colors get remarkable. I mean, as clear as water can get in California. And so with clear blue water, good light because there's no marine layer or things like that, which we get a lot of around here. A right. Lot, a lot of mornings are very gray. Yeah, you said it was just rolling in, right? Yeah, until the sun, you know, burns it off later in the day. But, you know, especially swimming around in the water, for me in Newport, the best hours are in the morning. So you don't get a lot of those mornings around here where there is pristine sunlight with clear blue water, a little bit of surf rolling through. We, you know, like I said, most days are gray, maybe even a little bit of wind, in which case now the watercolor is not popping off. And, you know, we can get some fun, moody days in the wintertime, especially after a storm. Sure. But I just feel like you get the most days that really are special in the fall. And as a surfer, too, we look forward to the fall around here as well because you get the offshore winds. Uh, swell directions come from two different places, so it creates good shaped waves and. It's just, you know, being an ocean guy, it's, it's a good time of so year. So right now you're getting excited. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my time, time of year. Yeah. So what's your, I guess, outfit, uniform, when you're going to go shoot in the water? What are you wearing? What's uh, your, your plan? Um, a wetsuit of some sort. You know, depend- Do you go long sleeve? Sh- and Usually, full, yeah. Full, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, one of, I guess if it's really warm, I might not. But for the most part, I like it because it's a little extra buoyant. Um, yeah, it, right. ma- it makes it easier to stay in the water for hours. You know, it, the hard part. Are me- you in that long? Sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes okay. yeah. Sometimes I think my longest I've ever stayed in the water with my camera is maybe four hours. Wow. So That's a big size card. It's sizable. <laughs> but also, too, I don't, I'm not just pulling the trigger randomly. Right. You know, I, I'm searching for my moment. I'll go 20 minutes without pulling the trigger. So, uh, you know, looking for that right moment, that right wave. That's a disciplined photographer there. And, 
So yeah, wetsuit. You know, wintertime I'm wearing a hooded five millimeter wetsuit because the water's cold. Yeah. Summertime, something a little bit thinner. You know, a lot of times just to keep the sun off. But right. uh, fins. Depends. It okay. depends. Um, what would be the de- what's the deciding factor? Mostly size of surf. Okay. You know, if there's a lot of current and uh, you know some good size waves, I want fins just in case I got to get myself out of trouble. Um, on occasion, you know, you go for the one shot, and it's possible that wave completely rolls you up the beach. And right, it takes you with you. Know, you. There is some sacrifice from time to time. You take a little beating in order to be in the right spot, and uh, you don't want to then take another beating from the next wave. So you want to be able to either swim out of the way or get underneath it or something like that. Do you find outside or inside waves to be more appealing to you? Uh, something along the shore break is usually a little so more inside, okay. a little bit easier. I, I would say just because there's not you don't have to worry so much of I have to swim out I have to swim in you kind of know where generally the wave is going to break each time and then that way you can hang in a specific spot much more easy at a, a break where waves break farther out in between you know and everywhere else it becomes a lot harder to put yourself in the spot you know to get a good shot so shore break would be my preference. But now, can you stand up at this point during the shore break? A lot of times. Okay. You know, and like I so said, so then the but, fins aren't really needed. You're just kind of. Well, I mean, they are. It just again, it depends. You know, when it gets bigger, no matter what, it starts to move off the beach a little bit. So it gets a little deeper. Uh, here in Newport, we have a trough that runs right along the shoreline. That if you step into that, all of a sudden you can't touch, which means right there's two three feet lost, and, yeah. and there, it'll kind of pull you out a little bit, which then takes you completely off your mark of where you want to be. So having the fins super helpful and being able to stay in the right position of where you need to be when there's more water moving around. Okay. So when you position yourself. Are you kind of positioning yourself to be right in the barrel as it's coming over you? Or are you kind of getting, or is it all just your kind of creative juices? Like, I want the wave as it's shaping, or is it crashing, or sometimes, yeah. yes, okay, right, because it's yeah. just creative. You know, it's it, like saying yeah. what colors you want to paint with, right? You Paul? know, <laughs> you know, if somebody says red, well, what about the hundreds of variations of red? You know, yeah, and right. so it's hard to say, you know, I want this or that. You know, sometimes if I can see a way, you know, obviously from years and years of being in the water, you start to see certain things. Waves are like snowflakes, you yeah. know, to the to the untrained eye. They might say, oh, it's pretty much the same every time. But really, it's not. And if I see a wave showing a certain something as it's coming in, like, let's say, the water's going to drop out and the wave might throw out a little bit further, then I might want to say, okay, I want to be right in underneath it. Okay. Um, if there's, you know, the wave maybe not looking like that and it looks like it's going to be a little bit more slopey and the lip might do a little something fun, in which case now it's not so much about being right underneath it as it is capturing whatever that lip might do in the wind because the water sparkles and droplets and things, you know, they can light up a number of different ways and make lots of unique images you know so again it's just being in the water for so many years you know like a mountain photographer or whatever you know they just understand the mountains they understand the snow they understand you know it's just kind of my little thing where there's little nuances that i could talk about forever and until you've done it or really experienced it it's probably not going to make sense or seen the two differences yeah it's probably not going to make sense um 
but you know the ocean throws something different at you you know every day every hour and that's part of what's fun about it is it's like trying to hit a moving target and when you do feel like you hit it it's pretty special do you ever get into the wedge i do a little bit um the wedge for me has become a little bit too popular okay uh i don't particularly care to sit next to five other photographers trying to capture the same thing you know i want to have some things that are a little bit more unique you know to me you know something that you know if i get that special day and that cool spot that there's not gonna be five other guys trying to show or sell the exact same image so you know i've spent some time at the wedge and over the fourth of july i actually got some pretty fun shots down there There was was, it big or it was very big okay well it was big. I shouldn't say very right. big. Because being biggest. local, you and I know what very big is. Yes. And so it was it was big-ish. We'll say that. But big enough to make it interesting. And it was a nice morning. It's not often you get big waves with sun, you know, and some interesting subjects to shoot. There were some guys surfing and, you know, doing their thing out there, too. Um so I ventured down, you know, and of course it's overloaded with people trying to get shots and actually got lucky though, you know, a couple shots got published from that day and, you know, so that was fun. From and, where? Who? Uh, OC Register. Okay. And then uh, Channel 5 News ran it that night. Nice. Uh, they contact you or how does that work? I was kind of, yeah, basically they asked if, hey, we saw your shots on Instagram or something. Do you mind if we, you know, incorporate them into our stories? And the, the writer for the OC Register I've done some work with in the past. So who's that? Uh, Leyland Connolly. Okay. Uh, very nice woman and you know so obviously happy to help her and you know when the news calls sure I, I mean I'll take the exposure sure right, thank absolutely. you very much you know so sell a print here and there I mean I, otherwise I probably wouldn't have done anything with it because you know image of a guy surfing like I said it's not the easiest thing to sell so right uh, but that, if KCAL or whoever it is calls yeah, yeah sure yeah it's fun so is there is there a spot like right now that you're looking like in the next week you want to hit something going on you're like ooh I'm going here I'm going there no I, I would actually say as I'm waiting for my new water housing and I'm getting a few of my lens ports uh, refurbished because uh, they got scratches on the front Just like, wear and like tear. I said occasionally you get rolled up the beach <laughs> and then the front of your lens port gets all scratched up and doesn't yeah, for people who don't realize that front of that lens port is massive it's well, a huge dome. It, it depends. You know, you can do the, the big domes for your kind of over-under water shots. Right. Or, you know, mine aren't huge because I'm more... How big? Five, six inches? Yeah, maybe about okay. that big or so. But that's a lot of well, yeah, I mean, glass yeah, to hit exactly. once you hit the sand. And once it hits the sand and you get a big old scratch across the front, there's no amount of Photoshop. Well, at least for me, because I, like I said earlier... Yeah, you're not going to spend hours restamping. Yeah, I don't want to do that. So... Um, Anyway, I just haven't. I'm waiting for the new stuff to arrive. Okay. And then I'll jump back out on it. So um, now you're out of the water, kind of looking at stuff. A little bit, yeah. Um, I actually, let's see, I had a commission not long ago of somebody who grew up at 52nd Street, you know, so they wanted to get something of, you know, kind of the life tower, lifeguard tower, or something that stamps the zone. And we had a little swell a couple of weeks ago, and I've been working on that. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that was kind Mark of fun. Mark Reitmeyer, the registered photographer. I don't know if you've ever met him. He I was haven't. on the podcast. He's an ocean guy. He had some great stuff <laughs> yeah. from it last week. Yeah. So, it was popping off pretty good. So working on that and, uh, what else? I did something else not long ago, too. Oh, I was working on a few things down in the fun zone uh, okay. in Balboa. Now that a lot of the summer crowds have left, it's right. a little easier to kind of get some things without a bunch of people in Locals your foreground. Locals only now. Yeah, so, yeah, the local summer has started. Um, 
and again, just kind of toying around with some ideas of things that I wanted to get that were in my mind. And, you know, the the, the ferry boat and the ferry landings down in Balboa Island and Balboa Peninsula are historical landmarks and things that I want to try and play with a little bit and see if I can get something fun with those. And so, yeah, I've been bouncing around a little bit here and there on land. When did you say, okay, I'm creating a website because I think I've got enough content that people have now become interested um, actually, I would say that I wasn't really the one that did that. It was people would see something on my Instagram and go, oh, I, w- I would like to get that. What else do you have? Or, That's great. Or, or I'm interested. What else do you have? And I have no way of showing them. You know, right, yeah. You know, and say, hey, scroll my Instagram feed. And, oh, by the way, <laughs> don't mind all my family pictures and things right. like that. It's just annoying. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so it's just kind of one of those things where – if I figured, you know, I've got some shots that I'd be okay putting out for the world to see and put it up on a website and hopefully it makes sense and people might be interested. And What's the website? Uh, EvalaleeFineArt.com. And it does pretty good? Yeah, I mean. For a guy, a local, local Newport like guy? Like I said, I never set out to make money, you right. know, so if, you know, people want to buy some shots for different reasons here and there, and great. I think... And I don't know how much traveling you've done where you've been to like a Marriott, but some Marriotts do this where the ho- the artwork in the hotel is of the town. Like we were a couple years ago, we were in Rhode Island. It was very much like in the town. And when we were one in Connecticut, it was very much of the town. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew they just redid the Marriott right off the peninsula. Like those images should have, they don't have to be yours, but that'd be great if they did they call. They should be mine. Right. They should be if they call. <laughs> and I know some VPs on Marriott, but yeah, those are the photos that like the town, the city, they should be up in city hall. They should promote more, at least imagery, visual imagery of the town. Has anybody ever approached you towards uh, that? Not anything Marriott size. Um, I've done. But even a bar, cantina, anything? Yeah, I mean, I've done plenty. Of, I've done a, quite a few doctor's offices. Um, Great. Did a real estate office not long ago. Um, I did uh, an investment banker. He bought a thing for his office. You know, so a lot of that type of thing. So there's little avenues. I, I have had a little exposure to like bigger development stuff, like you're saying, like Marriott. But from what I also learned is there's a lot of politics involved in oh, that too. Oh God, yes, no. You got to know the right person. You got to be in the right place at the right time. You got to have the right price, et cetera, et cetera. And don't get me wrong, I would love to be able to get into that. It just hasn't really gone that far yet. Right. No, I could tell you some stories of people saying, well, I got a nephew who takes pictures and he's going to shoot them for us. Right. You're like, well, and like I said earlier, everybody who's got an iPhone thinks they're a photographer now right. too. So. Right. Now, <laughs> have, have you ever thought of putting a housing on your phone and going in and shooting or you just know I am a DSLR guy? Uh, I, you know, it, you can do it and I know it's been done and guys get decent things from time to time. I just feel like pound for pound, I'm going to get you know, say if I go out with my phone, maybe I'll get one out of 10. Right. When I go out with my camera, I feel like uh, I got a better shot of getting eight out of 10, nine out of 10. You know, it's just, there's going to be more quality. It's going to be easier to work with in post. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I'd rather do that. Right. Have you dabbled in mirrorless at all? Not yet. Okay. You know, the, the, and it's not, I don't know if I would think it would be a big need. I, I don't really necessarily think it is you know and i I have unless it got a lot lighter for you here's so here's one reason i haven't gone mirrorless or even attempted to go mirrorless is i have sizable hands okay (laughs) you know right and i really like the way the 1dx 
fits in my hands. I really like the way my 5D... Out of housing? Just the... Yes. Out, out, okay. Yes. I really like the way my 5D with the battery grip fits in my hands. And yes, it weighs a little bit more, but <laughs> I don't have a problem holding my camera up. Right. So there, there's something with you know the comfort of it, the familiarity of it, being able to flip it vertical real easily and have everything fit. Um, you know, and talking to a few people that have dabbled in the mirrorless, you know, some say they love it. Mm-hmm. I've had several friends who I very much respect for their ability to shoot and capture good images say, I bought a whole bunch of stuff and I already sold it. Wow. So it, it just, I'm kind of sticking with what I know at the moment. Right. And if it's, if it, if it doesn't absolutely benefit what you're creating, there's no need to jump into that market yet. Right. Especially if you do have sizable hands, those cameras have gotten a lot smaller. They're like, so small. Right. And, I, I, and that's great for some things. For some people, yeah. And I got to carry three on my neck. Hey, fantastic. Absolutely. But if I'm going to hold that thing and most of my fingers now are starting to cover the lens, I'm just absorbing the camera, that's no good to you. Yeah. And, and I don't like that feeling. Right. Um, I like the feel of something. You get a little toy in your hand. Yeah, something being there. So, you know, maybe someday. I mean, it, it, it kind of feels to me like they're going to try and push us all into mirrorless at some point i don't know we'll see the camera industry itself yeah, yeah. I mean, saying thanks but no thanks seems for... like every other ad that shows up on my facebook or instagram is canon or nikon trying to push something mirrorless right and it's like it's in a way it's kind of nerve-wracking with those of us that are very invested in the other stuff are uh-huh. you gonna abandon us or i don't know yeah i and you're absolutely right and i do get that feeling like the group of us who have DSLRs are like the Roly Pentex medium format guys like in the 60s who are like, why would you want to go to 35? It works. But they're selling you 35. Yeah. And right now that's what I feel like. They're just selling you mirrorless and it's not quite ready yet. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll say this, and I could be wrong. I mean, because like I said, I still don't – I would still argue I don't know what I'm doing with a camera, but <laughs> – um, Neither do I. When I look at a finished image, and unless you tell me it came from a mirrorless, I have no way of really knowing. Yeah. You know, because, and then unless I told you that mine came from a DSLR, would you know? Sure. So 99% of the people that, have that's no to me, idea. It's like until you're starting to shoot, you know, just out of the can, a 3D hot HD image that nobody ever has to edit again, I don't see the... I'm not seeing the real reason to switch yet. And right. I, I'm invested in glass. I'm invested in my bodies. I've got my my travel bags and all that sort of stuff. It's like, well, you're telling me i got to start over? Right. And the needs for you don't make any sense being that it doesn't make any sound. Okay, well, the sea lines don't complain. Um, you don't want it to be that much smaller. That yep. means you got a different housing everything else, the lensing. Like, all those little things, like, do you really need to shoot? You know, video, no. Like, there's all little stuff. And that's another thing. I, I I know that most cameras now are very video capable. Yes. You know, HD, 4K, whatever. I could care less. Right. I am not a video guy. Yeah. And I, you could almost, well, maybe if you threw a certain amount of money, I might learn. But Right. I basically do not care. If you want video, I will introduce you to my friend. Mm-hmm. And You'd prefer it stripped out of your camera. I, I wouldn't mind. Right. I mean, if you could give me a similar size, but take the weight down. Sure. Right. Cause Faster I, processor. Because like I said, I like the size because it fits my hands and all that sort of right. thing. But if I could eliminate some of the machinery in there that I don't need, sure. Yeah. 
That I mean, one button you hit on accident that moves it to video and you didn't realize it, you closed the housing up. Has that happened? Because you, you made the face like it has. That, that not, not as, the other day, I, I was doing something and I accidentally hit my, uh, what did I hit? Did something with my AF button, you know, the back button yeah. focus. And all of a sudden it wouldn't focus. And I'm sitting there, well, wait, I... I can fix it, but I don't know what I did. Uh-huh. So, you know, and so. And, what you know, button? What button? Yeah, and so I'm sitting there, I'm looking back, I'm like, wait, why is this all out of focus? What did it. Oh. You know, but anyway, well, let's talk I think it about, happens to the best of us. Yeah. Well, let's talk about focus. What are you focusing on when you're in the water shooting waves? Okay, so interesting. Uh, most of the time, when I go out to shoot waves, I preset my focal distance. Okay. So, you know, I might pick a spot on the wall that's about four feet away from me and I'll set it. And then, you know, I'll take obviously the lens off of um, auto, mm-hmm. put it on manual so it won't sweat. Yeah, it it's won't a dumb change. brick. Right. Yeah. And when you're shooting really wide angle and you add any sort of depth of field, you end up with pretty much everything in focus anyway. Right. Now, where are you at aperture wise? What's your sweet my, spot? My favorite is. Uh, F8. Okay. Um, sometimes, just depending on lighting, I might drop it to 5.6 just to get a little more light in. But I want to have a little bit of room for for error. Sure. I guess you could say. Um, you know, and then obviously if you're trying to do something really specific, you could drop down more. But my sweet spot's usually around between 5.6 and 8. Okay. And that's pretty – that's a lot of good available depth of field on something that's a 14 millimeter. 100%. Right, you know, and it's it makes, you would have to be literally in front of your lens or a mile away for you to be like, eh, it's out of that's out of focus. Yeah, and one of the things, it, you know, it, I think it gives me a little bit of room to play too, especially when you get it back on the computer. If I have a little more depth, then I can say, well, I, I can fix my crop this way a little bit too, and it it doesn't take away from it. Whereas if it's really wide open. You know, you have so little margin for error, and then you want to change your crop. Well, now everything you want in your image is out of focus. Right. So just. So you pick, let's say you pick your shutter speed. You're like, I'm going 2,000. I want it tech sharp. I don't want any yep. missed loss. F8, are you now just adjusting your ISO in the water? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's your that's your gauge you're sliding. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know a lot of people's thoughts on this but you know i was always kind of taught at least by the people that taught me that the lower the iso the less noise etc etc right so you know especially if i'm going out first light you know the iso will be probably up around 800 or so Mm -hmm. and then but as soon as i can get it back down in the you know 200 160 i'm that's what i'm trying to do okay well, that makes sense. But even now, like these cameras today, 800, <laughs> yeah. those are unbelievable. Well, and, of course, my priority is my shutter speed first, aperture second, ISO third. Right. Because so, I need the ISO to pump, obviously, to pump my shutter speed. But I got if I can't get 2,000 shutter speed on 160, I'm going to keep pumping it up until I can get it. Right. So you're there. And then I'm good, yeah. So... On a wave, on a glassy day right now where it's nice and clear and you don't have a bunch of algae and crap and foam, what, you know, because let's get into the weeds on exposure. Are you trying to get that wave in the medium tone so it's not blown out, not too dark? Because, you know, certain tubes can get real dark or if it's a thin tube, it can get real light if the sun's going through it. Yes. So where are you kind of gauging? Is it just a creative process? This is this is not the tube. 
Yeah. I'll wait for the next one. I, uh, I, I don't particularly like anything that's blown out. Okay. So I, I definitely try to stay away from that. Now, that said, though, sometimes you can get certain light play coming through the wave where you might have some bubbles or a few sparkles that are really blown out. But it kind of adds to the image. Right. You know, Those so, specular highlights don't take yeah, away. Yeah, so the basic integrity of the color of the wave and all that are still intact. But then you get, you know, light on water is pretty unique and special. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the, when a wave's moving or even a ripple, like generally speaking, you could be all set up for a really smooth-faced wave and all that. And then a little ripple pops. Well, anytime the water shape changes, the light changes. And that's something that is... Sometimes hard, but also part of the uniqueness of the process, I think, because that can create a little, you know, like a light star or whatever you want to call it. Uh, not a lens flare, but, you know, just a little star in the water that is, you couldn't make that if you wanted to. And it's just something that's unique and special in the moment. And as long as it's not too big where it's overtaking the image, all those kinds of things are really cool in my mind. Right. But, um, yeah, I definitely don't ever want anything to just be this big white spot. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, that's, ugly. I, that's a, a fail on my part. Right. <laughs> what is there a shot right now you're you're hunger for? Mm, not necessarily. With your sweet fall coming up, right? Yeah. I mean, nothing specific at the moment. You know, I would love to see another big swell with good sunlight and all that kind of thing where can really go out there and put in a few hours and hopefully come out with, you know, a fair amount of usable images. Because mm-hmm. um, we haven't had that in a while, you know, where all the elements line up to where you just get excited to be out there, where, where your card's filling up and you're going, oh, <laughs> am I going to go get another card or am I going <laughs> right. to, you know what I mean? And, Damn it, I should have gotten a bigger card. <laughs> you know, because there's days where I'll go, you know, just for exercise, I'll just take my camera and go swim. And I might take five, ten shots is all, you know, but I'm in the water for over an hour. Right. Um, so, yeah, something where it's like, okay, I felt like I got work done. It was fun. I saw a lot of really neat things. And that, that's what I'm looking for right now. Nothing real specific. Like, I want this wave at this place with that background. And I'll, I don't really have that at the moment. Okay. Just kind of anxious to get back out there on a good day. <laughs> that, that's all we ever want. Yeah. Is, have you kind of, I mean, you're not another stratosphere but have you noticed your social media blowing up recently and more people kind of engaging seeing liking using Um, it as a get to your website and generate a little coin in eric's pocket no not really i i probably don't use my social media as effective as i could um you know, I, I don't know, maybe because I'm an older guy or something like that. I just don't, I don't like to dive into it and, you know, go crazy. I've done a few, you know, paid ads on Facebook and Instagram just to kind of see what it generates, you know, more out of curiosity versus the hope that it stimulates a bunch of business or any of that sort of thing. I would say, you well, know, there's some beautiful images on well, that Instagram. Thank you. Uh, I think you know, with anything, if you use a few hashtags and put something up that people like, right? You're, Sunset, you're clouds, gonna pick palm up, trees. Yeah, you're going to pick up a few followers here and there, and a few extra comments or likes. But for the most part, I I put it up because it's something that I enjoy. You know, and if somebody else picks up on it, I mean, I, by no means do I have the following that most photographers have. Yeah, there's some that are off the that charts are, that are crazy, and you know, and, and sometimes for certain people, it just takes that one 
third party post, you know, it could change your entire mm-hmm. path. Um, that hasn't happened for me, but <laughs> you know, maybe someday. Um, but in the meantime, it, again, never why I got into it in the first place. You're purely looking for the love of your I, city. I, I do it because I enjoy it. I do it because I can't paint. I can't draw. I, it, but I do have that creative streak in me that I finally realized, I guess, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier, it went unrealized for a long time and it gives me an outlet, you know, it gives me something to do. It's, uh, and, and when somebody else enjoys it, that's just icing on the cake. That's the best. That's the best is that you're not doing it to make a living. You're doing it because you love doing it. Yes. Yeah. And when you're not doing it, your soul hurts. It's to, yeah, to some extent, you know, especially we go in spring for us here in Newport. I mean, we could go two months. It's just gray, oh. you know, no sun on the water, yeah. nothing. I mean, we'll get sun a short distance inland, but on the water at the beach, it'll be gray for a long time. And that that gets a little bit difficult <laughs> to handle from time to time. You feel like the people of Seattle get a little depressed with that gray. I don't know how they do it. I could not live there. Yeah, I, I could not. I don't know. Now, the two days a year that they get that are sunny and pretty, and I've been there for that, it's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, and they're running around but, naked because the sun's out, and they're all excited. <laughs> they're slapping on sunscreen. But, but the other 360? No, thank you. No. Um, so, you know, and, and if I can sell something for somebody else's use and happiness that helps pay for my gear fetish, then, <laughs> then uh, you Have know. you realized how expensive this is? Oh, it's Like, ridiculous. when did you realize, like, oh, God. I think uh, I could take up drugs and this could be cheaper. Yes. <laughs> I, I think that uh, when I got that, that 1D Mark IV was when I was first like, this is expensive. Right. And uh, now I find that every little side job I do for cash or something goes into the photo <laughs> fund. And that way, when something new comes, you know, I'm not I definitely don't run out and just buy stuff on a whim. Right. You know, I kind of plan and, you know, I'll figure out how would I use this? You know, would it be worth my while? Is this purchase worth it? Does it make me and the photos better? Yeah. Or is it just something that's... Well, this goes back to the mirrorless. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and and now at this point, though, too, being that I am so invested in the glass that I have and all that, I don't want to buy a mirrorless and then have to do adapters to be able to use my lenses or sell all my stuff to buy new stuff. It doesn't fit my port because of the adapter and then they don't have a 14. Right. And then at the end of the day, like I said, can you tell the difference? I don't believe so. Yeah, I don't believe so either. So that's Good. where I'm sticking for now. <laughs> Thank you for your time. I'm going to call you the local Newport, should I say photographer or wave photographer? What do you prefer? I don't know. Just <laughs> some guy with a camera wandering around Newport. <laughs> Eric, you're a wonderful local Newport water photographer. Thank you for your time coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. I'm so glad I found you. Yeah, hanging on a wall and now I you know follow you on Instagram you make some great stuff uh, it's been a lot of fun being here and actually getting to kind of talk about it I mean my my journey is I don't know if it's special or different or whatever but it's definitely been an adventure and you know, hopefully someday I'll figure out how to use the stuff, you know, the way it's supposed to be used. And uh, <laughs> Do you have a group of photographer water friends or is just kind of you a man on his own island? I, I know some guys okay. that do good work. 
But as I said, I don't like to, I don't want to be that guy that goes and says, "Hey, let's all go shoot together," because then you all end up in each other's foregrounds and it looks stupid. So that's true. I definitely kind of move around. I would say I definitely I try to move around against the grain. You know, if everyone's going to the wedge, well, I'm not going to the wedge. Right. You know, I'm going this way. I like to go find something that's a little bit different. That when I scroll my Instagram feed later, I don't see the same shot five different ways. I actually have something that's different from everybody else. So. That's a real creator right there going against the grain. Thank you for your time. Thank you. You're awesome. This is Matt Brown, and you listen to Just a Good Conversation. Please hit the subscribe button as well as the like button. You can always follow us on Instagram and Twitter, as well as the website, justagoodconversation.com.